0: We thank you, Lord, for your word. We ask that you would speak to us this morning by your Holy Spirit. We'll give you all the praise and all the honor, Lord. Through Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, how many remember a product called Whisk? W-H-I-S-K, WISK, better known for the slogan, ring around the collar. Those stubborn rings, right? You try everything, but you can't get them out. And we've been talking the last couple of weeks about those stubborn sins, right? Those habits that we have, our weaknesses, our temptations that seem to trip us up over and over. And we try everything, right? And can't get them out. And so last week, we asked the question, are we just supposed to figure this is the way it's going to be until Jesus comes? And the answer, of course, is no. Jesus said, once again, John chapter 8, beginning at verse 34, Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. How mean, know Jesus wants us free. Amen. Jesus doesn't want us to be enslaved to any temptation or behavior because sin brings death. We know that, right? It sucks the life out of us, sucks the, the intimacy with God out of our lives, uh, our relationships with other people, it hurts them, uh, our overall well being and quality of life, right? Jesus said in John 10.10, he said, The thief comes only to steal, to kill, and destroy. But I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Let would say this morning, I want to have abundant life. Abundant life. Jesus came to give that to you and to me. So how does he do it? Well, we talked about the fact that it's a process, that it happens in degrees. He doesn't just you know, um, make us perfect all at once. But I think there, I think there's something to that process, something to that growing, something to that learning that is important. Uh, I, I think if you look back on life, you, you, you realize those lessons that were learned over time are the ones that really have stuck. You know what I'm saying? That, that, that are deep, that are, that are really a part of the core of who we are. And I think that's what, uh, that's what the Lord is looking for. But what I want to share with you uh, this morning, continuing in this little mini-series that I've entitled "Free Indeed," um, I, th- th- there's parts to this process, and but but it's not a step-by-step kind of a plan thing. I, I just I cringe when I say, okay, here's the seven steps to this and the 10 steps to this and the 15 steps to this. Like it's some you know, cookie cutter thing. No, this kind of a thing is deeply personal with each and every one of us. It's not a formula. Um, and it all takes place in relationship with the Lord. Everything he does revolves around relationship. He is present and active in this whole process. So last week, we looked at the first of these parts, that part where you and I have to be honest, brutally honest, where we have to admit to the Lord, okay, Lord, I got this issue you know, in my life, and I can't do it on my own. I've tried. I've tried. I've worked at it. I've tried this or this or this or this. I keep doing the same things over and over and over again. Lord, I need you. And the good news is, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, God says, my grace is sufficient for you. Everybody say sufficient. It's sufficient, which means it's enough. And if you know anything about God, God never does anything halfway. So when God says sufficient, It really means more than enough. Amen? My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. In weakness. I really found this out. I think I've shared this before. I'm not going to go into great detail, but uh, I'm, I'm a guy that needs eight hours of sleep. And when I was taking care of my dad and having to get up with him in the middle of the night, sometimes five or six times... I was absolutely physically, mentally, emotionally spent. And without the Lord, I would not have been able to function. I still had to get up in the morning and still had a part-time job that I went to. Um, And I was amazed, really. I was amazed at God's sufficient grace that came to me. So... God is not just a little, a little dab to get you by. He is a God whose power is made perfect. Um, it's made effective to its fullest in our weakness. So when you and I come to him in weakness, having abandoned that carrot that is dangling in front of our noses, it says, well, if you just try harder, Right? I mean, I mean, I I've been there, done that, right? Just try harder. I just try harder. And that carrot, you know, just keeps, no. So when we come in weakness, when we come finally admitting to Jesus, to what he called slavery to sin, then we can begin to experience his power to overcome. And I've shared this before in my own life. I found this to be true many years ago, struggling big time with a particular unwanted behavior. It was at the point, finally, of throwing up my hands and saying, God, I can't do this. That I began to experience his delivering power. And that power started out with a revelation of God's love for me. I said, God, I can't do this. I can't do this. And what's more, I detest myself. So I'm there on my knees before the Lord saying, God, I just, you know, here's the white flag. And I just literally loathed myself. And he spoke in the midst of that. And he said, I love you. (laughs) Now, I, I knew this was God because... That's the furthest thing from what I was thinking of myself and what he thought of me. He said, I love you. And I said, God, you don't get it. Look at me. I'm a failure. I'm a hypocrite. And he said, no, you don't get it. I love you. And suddenly. I really understood. Like never before, I finally understood, first of all, why Jesus had to die. And why he had to die for me. I could see the power of sin. I could see my human weakness, just like I've never seen it before. That's why he had to come. We couldn't do it. It isn't just about try harder because I had done that for months and months and months. He died for me. And the other thing that I saw was that he loved me there, there, there at my worst. There in my hypocritical self, there in my utter shame and failure, he loved me. See, I kind of had this idea that God, you know, was kind of fond of me when I was doing things right. And when I wasn't, you know, he was like, "Ah, that's him again, you know. But no, right there at my worst, God said, I love you here. He met me there. Um, And it, and it, it changed my life. It absolutely changed my life. I came face to face with the love of God in Jesus Christ. And you know what happened? I began to fall in love with Jesus all over again. I wanted to be close to this one who loved me at my worst. I wanted to be near him. I wanted to pursue him. And I didn't want anything to hinder that. And this other behavior, this other habit, and you just it's like, no, because that's going to ruin this. I want this more. So do you see, you know, we kind of talked about it last week, God changing our desires from the inside. I desired this relationship more. God was doing something in my heart, changing something around. I wasn't just saying no to something because I was supposed to. I had a, I had a new desire. I had a new pursuit which became more important than something else. I finally understood or started anyway to understand Romans chapter 5 verse 8 but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners Christ died for us while we were still sinners, while we were, as the Bible says, at enmity with God, his enemies, rebellious. When I was at a place where I could care less what God thought about anything because I'm, you know, I'm doing it on my own. It was there that he loved me enough and loved you enough to die for us. I don't know about you. That blows my mind. (laughs) That absolutely Human love isn't like that. Is it? We kind of love people more when they are nice. Um, Verse 9. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. If you don't hear anything else today, hear this. He loves you right where you're at, at your worst. At your worst, at your absolute worst humanness, all the faults and failures, staring you right in the face, he loves you and he loves me right there. And how much more, how much more now that we are his beloved children. Amen. So one, we come to him honest and in our weakness, Two, we have to understand and receive that incredible, encouraging, and motivating love that he has for us. Now, take a good look at Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. I'm going to start to open this up today. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Number three, and again, this isn't a step by step, but the the third um, part of this process that I want to talk about, we draw near. Now, I don't know about you, but when I've blown it for the 49th time, I don't feel like drawing near to God. I feel that sense of shame. I feel that sense of disappointment. I feel that shame of, yep, I blew it again. I did that same thing again and again and again. I don't feel like going to God and drawing near. I feel like I need to chastise myself for a few days. I need to get better and then I can come into his presence. Anybody resonate with that? But that's not what the scripture says. The scripture says, because we have a high priest, Jesus, who, in every respect, you know, think about it. Jesus lived on this earth in a human body, male to boot, Uh, For 33 years, right? 33 years, he walked in human flesh. He understands every temptation that you and I would face. No, he didn't get tempted to watch too much TV because he didn't have TV. But he was tempted to waste time nonetheless. You know what I'm saying? Every um, um, category, if you will, of temptation that you and I will ever face, Jesus has faced it. He faced it. It was he that went to the disciples and said, you're sleeping. I've asked you to pray and, and, and you're here sleeping while I'm suffering in the garden, you know, the worst that, I, that I've gone through. And, 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 and here you are sleeping. He says, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. How did he know that? as he saw in his own human flesh, that weakness. Although he had no sin of his own, although he overcame and therefore is able to help us, the scripture says, he still knows. He gets it. He walked through it. He understands those weaknesses. So therefore, therefore, we can always come to him. With those weaknesses. As a matter of fact, He can't help us until we do. Right? So we have to resist that, that temptation to, oh boy, you know, I, just, I can't, God doesn't want to see me right now. He's disappointed with me, whatever. Uh, we have to resist that and we have to say, no, the scripture says, because He understands, because He loves me, I'm to draw near. Um reminded of the very first sin in the garden. Adam and Eve fell, right? They, they, they sinned, they rebelled against God. And what do we see happen? The Bible says that God came down to walk with them in the cool of the day in the garden. And they were hiding, right? And God's like, Adam, where are you? Remember that account? Adam, where are you? I have come to meet with you. Where are you? I'm hiding. Why? Because I sinned. Right? You can see that separation begin there. I've sinned, so I hide. I sin, so I hide. But that's what God says here in His scripture don't hide. Don't hide. Come in weakness, come in honesty, come before me. Draw. Near, Because it's in that nearness, it's in that relationship with him that he begins to change us. You know, as as, uh, we we read before in the scripture, as we behold his glory, we're changed from glory to glory, one degree to another. It all happens interactively in his presence. We're not going to fix it on our own and then come to him. It's all about relationship. You see that this morning? All about relationship, we have to draw near to him. And what do we receive when we draw near? A swift kick at no. New. No. We receive the Bible says first, mercy. Mercy. What is mercy? Mercy is not getting what we deserve, right? Not getting what we deserve. What do we deserve for our sin? We deserve judgment, don't we? We deserve punishment from a holy God, don't we? But what do we get instead? We get mercy. We get forgiveness. Why? Why? Because Jesus already paid the price for that sin on the cross. It was all laid upon him, Isaiah says. He laid upon him the iniquity of of us all, He took it all to the cross. Even the sins that you and I haven't committed yet, He already took them to the cross. He already paid the price in full. Isn't that what He said from the cross? We we translate that um, it is finished. But that word, "telestai" in the Greek, is the same word that they used to stamp on their receipts: "Paid in full." It was finished. It is. Finished. Therefore, when we come to him with that, as we saw last week, first John 1 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful, faithful to the cross. He's just because justice has already been served to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Jesus took the judgment. Jesus took the penalty. When you and I don't try to hide it, we don't try to justify it, but confess it, we receive from Him immediately forgiveness, cleansing from all unrighteousness. I love that. What is that? It's a clean slate. A clean slate. I don't know if you ever. Uh, well, I know the church burned a mortgage at one point in time. How did that feel? You know, it's done. It's over. Right. Um, if you've ever sinned against somebody and, and they forgave you and, you know, wipe the slate clean, um, clean slate, a clean slate with God, which is such an important part of being free. Such an important part, that, 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 that fresh start, right? Because I, what I found in my own life is the more that I wallowed in guilt and shame, the easier it was to continue on or even more so, right? Kind of like, uh, uh, you know, I'm I'm this far, I might as well. You know what I'm saying? What a great message to have right after Thanksgiving. Well, I've already had six desserts anyway, so why not have another piece of pie, right? That's the way we work. You know, I'm already this far, I already blown it, might as well take the next step, might as well, you know, right? That's why it's so important to get into his presence and get that clean slate to be able to walk fresh in his love, in his love. And that's where I want to leave it. Um, There's more to this, and I want to get into it uh, again next week. Uh, stuff that I, I believe is really going to bless you, but I, I don't want to rush through this. Even even last week when we started this series, you know, uh, the, the whole thing about coming in honesty—that's not an easy thing. Those are things that you and I have to have to struggle through a little bit to to search our hearts and to be able to say, you know what? Um, I've been justifying this, you know, for so long. I really need to get honest. I need to get in God's presence. I need to have God shine his light into my heart and reveal things in there. And then I need to, you know, own up to that. That's that's not a simple flip of the switch. Uh, I talked to somebody about communion a while ago. Um, you know, we, we the Bible says let a man examine his heart, you know, and we and want to do that because, okay, now we announce we're having communion and we have three minutes before the pastor starts in to, you know, Deal with stuff in our hearts and in our lives. You can't do that in three minutes. We really need, kind of need to announce communion, which I'm doing right now, by the way. Communion being next week, you know, that's the time to begin to say, Lord, because I, I really want to come and receive that forgiveness. I want to come on that communion Sunday and, and really get a sense of that clean slate. So I'm, I'm going to start now. Start now to. Start looking inward and examine my heart and my life so that I can receive from him that clean slate, that love, that forgiveness. It takes a while. It's not a it's not a, a flip of the switch. Um but again, that, um, the revelation of his love. That that's not something I, I read a scripture once, and it's like, okay, now I get it. Uh That love to meet me in that place of weakness. That's a process. That was something that my heart in the presence of God had to really wrestle through and work through. So so none of these things are just, you know, simple. But I I, want to leave I want to leave you here to be able to, number one, come before the Lord in that honesty. Number two, read those scriptures. Uh, and get into his presence to where the understanding of that love is is right here and right now and and it, it can begins to consume our hearts and our lives and then realize that he offers that clean slate and be able to whew, wipe that out begin to walk in freedom again interactive relational with God not not Switches that we flip, things that we ought to wrestle through in our hearts. But, uh, boy, uh, when you do it, again, we get transformed from glory to glory to glory. Amen. Because Jesus wants us free. That's what he came for. So we are, as Kathy talked about this morning, in progression. Amen. Amen. Well, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much. That not only do you love us, Lord, um, unconditionally, but you love us enough, God, to, to work with us and to set us free and to change our desires and to make us more and more like you so that we're, uh, that we're better for ourselves and for everybody else around And even more so, Lord, in this this heavenly calling to shine your light to the rest of the world. That we can be better able to do that. So, Lord, speak to us. Draw us into your presence and work what only you can work. We praise you for it. In your most awesome name, we pray.